Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day, the perfect time to just cuddle up with a nice podcast. And what better podcast than the Comedy Advice Podcast with me, Stefan Satani. Hey, everybody, just wanted to give you a little... I just wanted to be your server and describe the specials for today. The specials include a very wonderful man named Mark Jiggy Jagarjian. And Mark, if you guys haven't heard of Jiggy, he's an amazing comedian. He's been doing stand-up for a long time. He also is the opener for the Impractical Jokers and goes on tour with them. He's done the Impractical Jokers cruise. He's been on the Food Network. He's a cook. He's a chef. He cooks things. I, I don't know the esoteric terms for that since I just do Grubhub, but he's an amazing person. He has such an entrepreneurial spirit, and I'm so excited to deliver this episode to you. And in its delivery, when you open up the box, we'll dig deep into the life of Jiggy. Right now, things are a little tough with quarantine, but he's been able to be resourceful. He didn't like the Zoom shows, which I get that feedback from a lot of comedians. So he put a twist on it where he has his virtual show tastes funny and he makes it more interactive with the audience. There are sets of sabotages where he tries to cook something, but then challenges appear. So it's hilarious. Guys, I have the link in the show notes if you want to check that out. He also talks about what it's like to tour with the Impractical Jokers. And it's really cool to get some inside information about it. He also talks about one of his punishments that he had to endure on the show. Hilarious. So you'll hear a little bit about that. He also talks about what it was like performing at Madison Square Garden. From what it was like to hear about the news to what it was like being up on stage and then when he got some direction to change things up while he was on stage and finishing his set. So that was really cool to hear. We also talked about his new film project, which he's really excited about. It's a horror comedy. He'll, you'll hear about it on the podcast. And then what I'm really excited about is the genius way that he's actually funding it. So on that point, he has a new album out. Yes, he's not just a comedian. He's not just a chef. He's also a musician. And he has this amazing album that nobody can be like, oh, I don't like that type of music because it's ambient sleep music. It's amazing. I've listened to it. He has gently lulled me to sleep. And I can't tell you how many REM cycles that I've gone through thanks to the snoozers. So if you guys want to check that out, it's on Spotify. There's a link to it in the show notes. Please support him in whatever way you can. This guy is fascinating. And I just, I, it was such an honor to be able to speak with him. So we talk about that. Then we get into the self-help. And then the icing on the cake, the Joker's call. So I get to say hello to them. And... I hope you guys enjoy. This is an awesome episode, packed full of laughter, insight, self-help, everything that you could wish for in a self-help podcast. So I'm going to let you guys hear it, but before I do, the delivery boy wants a tip. If you guys are willing and able, I've got my Patreon page. You guys can go over there and support it. I have bonus content, early episode releases, ad-free content. It's all there for you to enjoy. And while you're enjoying, you're supporting me so that I can continue to get amazing guests like Jiggy. I can continue to improve sound quality. I can continue to just make this a better podcast so we can grow together. You guys are like my sugar daddies, and I'm your little sugar baby, and I need sugar to be able to make this podcast better. So money, please. 
Anyway, thank you guys. If you can't support, that's okay. I really appreciate you just listening. And things that you can do for free to support, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, leave a review on Stitcher if you're listening there. Tell your friends. Tell other people. Sing it on the streets. Share it on social. Follow me on social at a comedy advice podcast on Instagram. And if you guys have questions, continue to send those in. I love the Inspirebot quotes that you guys are sending. Uh, questions from Reddit, Quora, wherever. Love answering those with my guests. So I really appreciate it. All right, guys. I think it's time to start the show. A comedy advice podcast. An advice podcast for deaf and, and friends. To make exaggerated statements not meant to be taken literally. What was that, Seven? A uh, comedy advice podcast. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining and welcome to a comedy advice podcast. My name is Stefan Satani and I'm your host. Joining me today is a very special guest. I feel like I always say that. I need a better descriptor. He's a... He's a very short guest. He's not very (laughs) tall. Just mundane physical attributes. He has a mole on his shoulder. This gentleman hasn't been to the doctor in two years and his girlfriend's giving him crap. (laughs) That's actually true. Okay, so that's the second guest of that nature. No. (laughs) So he's a stand-up comedian, podcaster, and musician, and a chef. He does basically everything here. He signed on to the Impractical Jokers Tour as opening act and has been performing to sold-out theaters coast-to-coast. For over five years, including performing for a sold-out Madison Square Garden. Oh, my God. I get pumped just reading that. Everybody, please put your hands together for Mark Jiggy Jigargian. Woo! I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. This is uh, this should be fun. Um, I'm coming in from New York City. So um, the old Wuhan of the United States. We've survived it. Yeah, seriously. I think the new Wuhan, modern Wuhan is now Arizona and Texas and Florida, I believe. That's true. It's just, but um, I like vintage classic Wuhan too. It seems like everything has started to, we were talking about it a little bit before we started. The the streets are now being repopulated with haphazard built benches and patios and dining is now back in business. So sounds... Horrifying and exciting at the We've same time. We've gone back to like 1800s building codes where it's like, <laughs> if you got the wood, you can do it. Anyone can do it. Handicap wrap. <laughs> who needs a who needs a handicap a handicap ramp? They're just building shit everywhere. It's, it's, I don't even know what. There's definitely no building inspectors in work. I think they're all on un, unemployment as well. Um, oh no! But it is oh. fun. It's fun eating on the street and uh, everyone's drinking on the street. It's lawless. It's the wild west here in New York right now. And you were saying, too, that you were one of the only ones of your friends that are still in New York. Everyone else has retreated. A lot of people so. bailed. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of 40-year-olds moving back with their parents. Uh, got a lot of uh, a lot of people questioning their, their move to New York City in general, being like, I don't know, I'll stay in Allentown. You know, just people are just, <laughs> it's just too expensive. When you take away uh, working, it's amazing how expensive New York can be. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And speaking of working, I know that you're a comedian. And so there haven't been a lot of comedy shows besides Zoom and everything like that. I know that you've been putting up some really cool content on your Patreon page, including a podcast, a comedian in quarantine. But what are the ways that you have been um, staying active and, and uh, continuing to grind in quarantine without the stand up? I was I was so resistant 
to doing these virtual shows. Uh, when quarantine first happened, I was like, I'm not doing anything virtual. I will wait to do it live. But during those times in March, I think everyone thought there's going to be a two-week break. It's a two-week hiatus. You heard that from a lot of companies too. It's two weeks off and I can handle two weeks off. And then two weeks turned into a month. And then we're now, it's like, it feels like 500 years later. Uh, but I resisted all these virtual things because I was like, it's so different from what we do as stand-ups, especially, mm -hmm. you know, we thrive off of the live energy and to think about doing something over Zoom, which I didn't even, I honestly had no idea what that even was, uh, yeah. was like yeah. a foreign idea. So I've been trying to like refine what a virtual show means to me um, and to make it work and make it fun. So I've come up with a model of doing these pseudo- cooking stand-up challenge shows. I don't know how else to describe it, but essentially I cook, I cook dishes while telling yeah. stories about my life and the audience tries to sabotage me with a list of challenges like eating the world's hottest chocolate or shotgunning a beer or <laughs> only using a butter knife or dressing up like an old lady um, or writing embarrassing tweets on my Twitter page. So just to make it like interactive, fun, and something different um, instead of something um, – because I was on some Zoom shows that were difficult to watch, never mind perform on, because they, it's people are yeah. still trying to figure out how it all worked. So I, my main goal was to make it something that was interactive, a little bit zany, and a little bit different. Um, and so that's what I've been doing, these virtual comedy sabotage cooking events. <laughs> I I love that. And I have to say, I think you're right where it's cringe Zoom shows are cringy a little bit for the performers and the listeners in some cases. You just don't you can't even communicate the laughter at a natural level or or frequency. So it's it's just so tough to get that energy and the vibes that you would get from a live audience. And so I really like the twist that you've put on where you're cooking and telling a story and then challenges are just bam, 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 and, and making things really funny and an ingredient for, for laughter, I feel. But I, I was going to ask where can, is it on your Patreon that people can see this or how can people view these? Are you still putting them on? Uh, yep. So I'm doing them at once every few weeks to kind of keep them fresh. Um, all the tickets for the shows are free and I do them tip based. So I found that to be just a, a more fun interactive way to to interact with the people who are watching so they can tip um for every anything from a shout out to um to pr uh, propose a challenge on the show um the tickets are free they're at jiggycomedy.com slash virtual events or you can get there just by going to jiggycomedy.com uh and the tickets are free and they're all done on zoom and uh we have a dj pre and post show and we unmute a certain amount of people to uh, to be our laugh track, which I think is important. I did some virtual <laughs> nice. shows where they were early on, and I still think folks are, including myself, trying to figure out the best way to replicate a live audience. Because even when you watch, you know, you you watch uh, late night TV, like guys who are like complete pros and legends, like Colbert and Fallon, and their shows are like difficult to watch when you don't have anyone yeah. there. Yeah participating yeah. in the show. So I've been trying to like unmute certain people to kind of give a little bit more of a live feeling, but it seems like every time you pick someone to be unmuted, they're like, is it okay if I'm building a deck? It's like, no, please don't be building a deck. <laughs> or like, they don't know how to control the volume. It's like they put their cat directly in the microphone. Yes. Um, I've heard some really funny things. Like grandma, I told you I'm on a zoom event. It's like, <laughs> I accidentally did flash my wife's coworkers. Um, <laughs> it, 
I was going to the bathroom and I'm used to leaving the door open. My wife and I, that's the type of relationship we have. We go and we leave the door open. We communicate with each other. It helps us relax and help us, helps us get in our state of Zen. But I didn't, re- she was at her computer and I was sitting and doing a little tinker stinker. And then <laughs> she started a video call with eight people from her team. And I realized that there's a mirror that bounces and can see me. So I tried to kind of sneak and and shut the door, but I heard somebody be like, is that your husband? Oh, that's and the And so worst. as I shut the door, I heard just the most awkward conversation and my wife hanging up real quick. So. My, uh, my girlfriend's working from home, so I developed a, uh, a Spider-Man-like sense of all the angles in the apartment that I can't be seen over the last few months. Um, but it's been more than one occasion that the first thing I'll hear in the morning is I have a conference call. Don't do anything stupid, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> which is true because, um, I would, I probably would do something <laughs> stupid. So I appreciate, I adhere to all warnings. <laughs> yes, I would. And I have done something stupid. So I saw the next day, my wife completely shifted her desk station so that <laughs> the camera faces the wall is the background. Uh, that's so, a good smart and, move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so you've been doing those shows. I did see one of the, I don't know if it was a recap for the show where it looked like a lot of the jokers were on. There were some hijinks. I saw, was it you that shaved your head? You were eating some, a blend of some delicious food, um, that was all just mixed together. It seems hilarious. So I can't wait to watch the next one. And for everybody else that's listening that wants to watch, I'm going to have a link in the show notes. So you can just, that'd be great. That'd be great. Yeah. We try to, we try to add a, uh, I've been trying to add like a challenge at the end of every show, which has been tough to top, but like the first show I shaved my head, um, I've waxed my legs. Um, (laughs) I did a makeup tutorial. I ate the world's hottest hot wings. I'm pretty much on a verge of death. Uh, by the end of this quarantine, we need to get out. Um, but I, I really try. I really try to make it as fun as possible for people, as a, a little bit of a escape, and to do what I what I love to do, which is cook, tell stories, and um, you know, do the that's, do that comedy thing. That's awesome. That's really cool. And it just after watching you, hearing you in different places too, it's really cool to see your style and and your types of of humor and and all of the different things that you're doing. And you fitting in with the impractical jokers too, where you've also got that challenge punishment type of thing. Um, and I, th- I feel like you guys fit in really well. I saw the other day a video of where they punished you, where y- you were an opener for them. And instead of you going out and telling jokes as the opener, they made you dance and not say a word. <laughs> To the to some silly song, I think it was popcorn or something, and you did you danced like a pro, but the audience had no background; they had no idea what was going on, and it was just hilarious to watch. But I was going to ask: Is that kind of a reflection of of how it's like touring with the Jokers? Is it just constant prank after prank? Or? The guys are uh, they've they've kind of been like big brothers to me, especially on the road, and um, so it kind of has that feeling of a. Uh you know, how you would treat like a little brother sometimes. And that, uh-huh. that example, uh, is, is a perfect example of that, of the, the, the popcorn dance was, <laughs> it's a, it's a seven, 1970s instrumental, which gets stuck in your head and it got stuck in our head during lunch. And so we're like backstage before the show and they had given this instrumental to the sound guy and they're like, jig, we'll pay the same rate. 
but we wrote an intro for you. But we want you to just go out and dance and never <laughs> acknowledge the fact that this is a joke. And um, so I go out, they put a 360 degree camera on the stage and the audience, this was the first time that I had toured through, I think it was like Greensboro or uh, a small town in the South small city in the South and they had no clue what the hell I was doing. <laughs> and after the show, uh, no one was laughing besides them, by the way, it was like the audience was dead silent, arms crossed, arms folded. We did a meet and greet after the show and uh, no one's talking to me. Clearly I'm just standing in the corner. This one guy comes up to me and he goes, you're a hell of a mover. <laughs> um, I, and I was like, you don't know how much that means to me. Um, oh my but it was really God. fun but I, I i like the uh i like doing things that are a little bit different plus like you know when you're on the road and you're touring and you're doing uh like a similar show for a run of shows like to have something that's like a, a little highlight or a little little thing to to mix up the uh the tour you know that's what makes mm -hmm. it fun mm -hmm. that is so cool and i also when they were reading the intro or when whomever was reading the intro I was like, wait a second. Was he in The Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio? <laughs> yeah, so they... I started, I was like, oh my God, should I be talking about this on the podcast? So I, <laughs> I did a search. I didn't see anything. So no, I was like, okay, no. okay. they wrote like this like unbelievable intro. Like I was like, Bob Hope. He's like, he's, he's hosted The Tonight Show 43 times. You've seen him in The Revenant, which is only a bear and Leonardo DiCaprio. There's like no one else in The Revenant. Um, so yeah, they wrote this like ridiculous intro and they sent me out there. Uh, but I was so happy that they that they recorded it, they filmed it, and uh, yeah, it's like it's it was a great, great, great moment. That's amazing, and I I just I uh, I have to turn on the the compliment shower to talk about my guests. Hopefully, get them a little wet, but sprinkle <laughs> you some compliments. I think that it takes balls to just go up and do stand up. You're just constantly asking for approval through laughter every 15 seconds or so but then to go up on stage for two and a half three minutes and just dance nobody knows what's going on people are starting you can feel the tension in the air like what the hell is this guy doing it's horrible 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 <laughs> and so when you do tour like we've been touring i've actually been touring with them a long time since 2013 now and um so you have similar production crews from tour to tour and I'd say five times a year, the sound guy will bring me out to the popcorn song, you know? So like they'll announce me at some like arena wherever, and then I'll come out and it'll, they'll play the popcorn song just to get me, uh, to get me going, to get a little laugh going. But yeah, it's fun. That, it, those guys that, are great. That is hilarious. And I know that you've done, you've also been able to do amazing things too with them. Like you performed at Madison Square Garden. And I wanted to ask you a little bit about that in a second. But before I do, I wanted to ask, how did you guys meet? I think I heard on a podcast that you guys met in Florida right. at the improv, I think, but I don't want to ruin the story. So I'll, I'll let you tell it. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those entertainment stories. Uh, I don't know if you have a lot of folks who are trying to get into comedy who listen, but you know, a lot, mm -hmm. when you get started in stand up, uh, you hear all the time, it's like, you know, you have to treat every show. You never know who's in the audience which is sounds like one of those uh blanket pieces of advice that you get like from the 1970s like you never know who's in the crowd kid go out there and give him your arm the guy like ashes out a cigar but uh, i was yeah. actually i was doing a a show at the orlando improv down in florida and um and their tour manager came in on a sunday show which is usually the light lightest show of the week and um mm -hmm. you know he he liked me he liked what he saw and he gave me a chance to uh to open for them and a lot of opening for another act um especially, you know, a bigger act, especially a group 
is about how you like vibe with the group. You know, you could be a hilarious stand-up, but you won't get the gig to be their opener if you don't get along off stage because so much of it is the is the hang, you know. And if you can't hang together, you know, you could be a brilliant comedian, but you're not going to get work um, for that certain artist. Some artists can't work together, so you know, we mm-hmm. clicked really well right away, and uh, it's led to you know a series of things with TV shows and. I was in their movie and so you know you it, clicking off stage and uh and being able to carry your time on stage it's a, it's a marriage of the two things it's not just being funny on stage you have to kind of vibe together off stage or else it won't work so it, it was really more of that than anything else right right that's amazing that that's so cool it really is a testament and there i think there are a lot of listeners that are wanting to get into comedy or um some guests that we've had they're local comedians as well as as touring ones and, and ones like yourself but i think that's a great message on just always perform like somebody's what somebody important is watching and always give it your all mm-hmm. you know why half-ass it anyway you know so that's really cool um, and then i also just wanted to bring it back to the madison square garden sold out show what was it like performing was, in front of thousands of people? That was um, that was a really special night, and I didn't know it was happening. So they've done uh, fan cruises now for years, and it was after one of their fan cruises they sat me down, and this was like on a Monday, and the Madison Square Garden show was on like a Thursday. There was like three days, and they sat me down, and they're like, "We wanted to let you know, you know, you've been with us since the beginning, and we want you to open for us on Thursday night at Madison Square Garden." And like, it was kind of an emotional moment for me. I mean, that's like a as a comic, it doesn't get any bigger than that. As far as the stage, it's sold out. It's so meaningful to them. We all live in New York. Um, Damn. you know, so it's their night, you know, I'm, I'm just there. It's, it's more of a sprinkle to me, you know, it's, it's still their night, but to be able to share yeah. the stage with them and, and hopefully, uh, boost them up and, and make it so I can hand over the stage, uh, to a, a warm room to give that opportunity to me. It, it really meant a lot. That's awesome. It, it would suck if they were like, we want you to dance to the popcorn <laughs> I, I would have done it. <laughs> I would have done it. Trust me. I would have done anything. <laughs> uh, but it was so a, they, they ended up asking you not to do that and tell your jokes. Yeah, instead, so I had so. my time to do. And um, so it, w- it was actually a unique show in the sense that we had two openers. So it was myself and Colin Jost, uh, who's on SNL. And... Um, Usually it's just me or me or we have a couple of openers now who like mm-hmm. for different parts of the country. So it was me and Colin and I went first and um, our tour manager runs up to the front of the stage. I'm like, you know, I had this set down. I had this set down of exactly what I wanted to do. And I was, I was psyching myself out, you know, down to the second I knew what I was going to do. I did not want to screw up in, at MSG. Yeah. I'm like coming up to my closing bit and the tour manager runs to the front of the stage and is like, he mimics with his hands. He's like, Jiggy, you need to stretch. And I'm like, what? So I had to double my time on the fly, 16,000 people, biggest show of my life. Um, and I had to wing it. The le- I mean, granted, I have plenty of material, but like I had it set down to the second. And I had to like uh, kind of think in my head, what can go with this? Where can I end? Which is, it's really hard to do that. Um, because Colin was late. He was late coming from Saturday night live and they have rehearsals on Thursday nights, I guess. And he was just like late caught in traffic trying to get across town. And, uh, so I had to kill time, you know, or like double my time on stage. 
Oh my god. Oh, there are sandwich artists at Subway that get stressed out if you make a last minute <laughs> decision to put tomatoes on your sub. So to to be to stretch out your set, like d- double it. I'm sure that was incredibly stressful. It was very stressful, but uh I got through it. I was very happy with my set and uh Yeah. It was great. What a great experience. And then later that year we did um the Boston Garden, which I grew up in Boston, so that was like maybe equal if not more. Uh, and that was like a night of a massive snowstorm. And it was the night of the AFC championship game. The Patriots were playing the chiefs. So like the entire, oh, our, our t- the entire arena is like kind of, I can't believe they even show up considering it. The Patriots are playing that night. It's like a st- everyone risks their lives in a snowstorm. Uh, but that was, oh, like my a, God. that was like a very meaningful show too. So, I mean, they've given me a lot of opportunities and, and now it's my time to, um, you know, now it's on me to kind of pivot that into something of my own. And that's what, you know, I've been working on and continue to work on is to take these opportunities and, and turn it into either my, my own television shows or own projects that I can, um, you know, work your way up the ladder, just like any other job, you know, comedy is like anything else. You, you work your way up and then you bring someone else up with you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad there are people out here like you, Jiggy, because, uh, I, I feel like there are some people on the opposite end of the spectrum where it's like me, 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 but it's, it's really nice to hear that there are people out there that, you know, you, you recognize the people have helped you. And as you've continued, I think you've made amazing accomplishments in your career and you're in a position where you can help other people out. I mean, even guesting on somebody's podcast or whatever, I think it's all really helpful. And you're just spreading the love in a time where people are spreading coronavirus. I think this is a better <laughs> thing to spread. Yeah, so. no, it's good. It, it, I, I, uh, and I've seen a lot of that and the comedy business has changed a lot over the years. Um, and I think that there's more collaboration and i think than ever in comedy you know back Mm -hmm. in the day like obviously before my time but in the 80s and 90s it was like a everyone was on like their solo track and it was kind of doggy dog but now it's uh i see a lot more collaboration and i think that's honestly a testament to podcasting uh because everyone is everyone is in the space and wants people to guest and and kind of has that feeling of uh of stepping back and being the question asker you know what i mean so all these comedians are kind of have to be curious as well where uh it wasn't that long ago where it was just me 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 so i think podcasting has really helped um the comedy landscape uh, in a really really healthy way and i think it's going to make comedy um thrive into the future hmm that might have been the most insightful thing that's said on this podcast <laughs> no, i don't want I don't, I don't to <laughs> 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 but I, I think you're right. Whether one people are actually selfish or not selfish, I think they put themselves in the shoes of the other person through podcasting where you do the research, you kind of see what the other person has done and and you're kind of living life through their shoes and you get to be metaphorically in their shoes and and understand how they think, how they do things. And I think it gives you another perspective and makes you a little more wholesome and a little less selfish. Absolutely. Absolutely. I've seen that. And and also the club culture has changed a lot because of that too. Um, just how comics interact in the club setting on the road, but in your home city too. Um, it's a lot more collaborative. And I think that that's also a testament to podcasting. That's awesome, man. And, and you have done so many cool things. You're so talented with comedy, with stand-up, with cooking, um, being a chef. You are on Food Network. You're a musician. I mean, you do all this thing. You were in movies. I th- I think I saw you in Primrose. The Primrose, yeah. That was a that was a yeah. film that uh, I helped um, produce and direct, and uh, one of those like passion project things. 
and we're working on some more film projects now, which I actually have a very interesting project that I'm working on to help fundraise for it, that we can talk about at some point. But yeah, I mean, I, I try to keep myself busy with, uh, with different, uh, different types of projects. You know, I love stand up, but I'm, I just love entertainment. I love making people, uh, you know, feel good. And, uh, in any way that I can, I can do it at any level, you know, so music, I love making music, comedy music. I thought at one point I was going to be a rapper, but, uh, that didn't work out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, your videos are pretty good though with the the songs that you've been making i saw the the paper rolls toilet rolls oh yeah that, that was, was my my big quarantine smash hit it was number forty eight thousand on the billboard charts um, <laughs> but I, yeah i did a song called uh i need a roll which was just like honestly we have so much time on our hands as comics sitting at home through this whole quarantine thing that um you know you come up with some ideas to to do some things throw them down and i think this is the best time to experiment uh, so I've been trying to just experiment, try different things, venturing into, I feel like I'm the oldest person on TikTok, trying that out. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm totally open to experimentation, trying new things. And that's what standup really is. The core of that is coming up with ideas and being experimental on in standup as much as you can too. And that's how you, you grow and um, hopefully make your act better and stronger over the years. That's awesome. Do you, do you ever feel like you're spreading yourself too thin or are you... Yeah, that's a great Spreading question. Spreading yourself equally. No, it's a really good question. And uh, I talked to some of my friends who, um, you know, there's a lot of social media theories about what, how you can handle that because, uh, you know, they call it like the long tail theory is like, if you did one thing a thousand times, like you might be better off. You know, if you, if all you did was like, you know, there's people on TikTok is like, they just bounce ping pong balls into like solo cups and they have like 5 million followers, but they just do it every single day. So there is something yeah. to be said about keeping some. Yeah. keeping whatever you're doing very linear and uh and just pounding away at one certain thing but uh you know not everything i do is to get recognition and i like you know the things that i do i really like to do so um you know if it works for me long term or if it doesn't you know at the end of the day you have to do stuff that makes you happy and creatively as well that's a beautiful answer and i think you're i totally agree with it 100 percent because if if you're doing the same thing, I think you're going to introduce monotony that's going to start to seep in and you're just going to get bored of what you're doing, even though you have 500 million followers on TikTok. But if you do things and follow your passions, I feel like that could lead you into great places. And then that's where it's going to start to connect, where I think as you start these things, they're forming different islands. But then as you keep getting better, those islands are going to rise and you're going to start to see some connecting ground. That's very there. true. Yeah. And, and I think that opportunities arise where, um, you know, you're, you're entertaining, you're, you're funny and that could pull over into the, the acting or producing or cooking. I mean, cooking shows a lot of comedians. I don't, well, this is a generalization, but I don't know how many comedians can actually cook or cook very well. So it's, it's cool to see that you've kind of mixed those different things for your show and it, it's hilarious. So I, I think from a humble podcaster, keep doing what you're doing. Cause I think it's, it's very entertaining and it's very great. Thank you. Yeah. And I hope, uh, I hope some of the listeners can come out to some of these virtual shows and I'm trying to make them as approachable as possible. So you, know, you don't have to pay anything. It's just, you know, you come have a good time. And, uh, my goal is to, to entertain while everyone's kind of, uh, you know, can't go to the movies, can't do anything, can't go to the club. So, and God yeah. knows we don't know how long that's going to be. That's the thing that's so scary. You know, it's like, God, uh, I'm looking at like, who knows when I can like go do a live show again. 
And yeah. as much as I want to perform live, I know a lot of people, they're uh, big comedy fans who want to just go and attend a show. And I'm one of them. You know, I like, I like to go to stand up shows. I, I enjoy it. So I think mm-hmm. we're on the same boat there. And in the meantime, we just do the best we can make yeah. what we can. Yeah. There you go. Exactly. I, I wanted to talk last thing, just talk about the project that you had mentioned. Yeah. I think it's the Revenant two with Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> that would be, that'd probably be a better paycheck. Um, <laughs> So I, I am working on a new film project. I'm very excited about it. Uh, so we started writing it uh, this year before uh, quarantine, but it, the film is a true story about a satanic uh, cult in Fall River, Massachusetts in the 1980s during the satanic panic. So we have a, um, it's a comedy horror movie uh, that takes place in the most haunted woods in America, the Freetown State Forest uh, outside of uh, Fall River, Massachusetts. So we're writing the script and uh, we've been, working on different, you know, ways to fundraise for the movie. Um, you know, obviously we're going to be working and pitching it to uh, different streaming services, but to get to the initial fundraising, this is where it's completely different. It might've been my best idea I've ever had. I don't know. I'm <laughs> sharing it for the first time here, honestly. Damn. Wow. So instead of doing traditional fundraising or crowdsourcing um, the movie, I am now officially an ambient sleep artist. So what is that? I make sleep sounds under my artist name is called the snoozers. So if you go to Spotify, you can look up the snoozers. Um, I have a whole bunch of albums on there. Uh, One is out now. We have two coming out uh, this week. And the whole thing is that we get about a half a cent per stream. And if you listen to these sleep albums and you put them on repeat and you go to sleep, you are contributing about $2 per night to the film project. So my goal is to have a thousand people who sleep to this album uh, a night. And you, the, the albums are great. So I put a lot of time into making sure these are dope ass sleep albums. So we have, the first one is uh, like California beach sounds. We have thunderstorms, we're gonna have whales, we have golf courses, campfires, uh, all different types of stuff. So if you wanna contribute to the film, um, all you have to do is just go to sleep to one of our albums and uh, it's on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon music, anything you listen to, but we're, we're focusing on Spotify as our main base and uh, going to sleep to our album helps contribute to the film. That is both fantastic and genius. And I'm going <laughs> to listen to it tonight. I'm going to support you because I was before listening to Headspace and I'm I'm getting sick of it. The I don't know if you've ever heard it, but it's the same British voice all over again. So I've started listening to Sleep Sound. So I will listen to the snoozers and I'll put a link to it in the show notes. So please, all please, of our yeah. listeners. We'd love to listen. have you uh, listen. And uh, in, in a day and age where everyone has an opinion on something, Sleep music is almost unopinionable. So uh, I wanted to make it like, I don't like hip hop music. I don't like rap music. I, I was thinking about different albums. Like, how could you possibly not listen to a beautiful sleep sounds? So I really put a lot of uh, time and energy into make them uh, sonically sound really soothing uh, with a nice instrumental chord, piano chords, soothing waves and uh, owl coos and all, all sorts of stuff. So um Right now, the first album is called California. Tomorrow, I believe we have uh, Key West Thunderstorm and Vermont Campfire that's going to be dropping in Spotify. You talk about the most mundane plug of all time, sleep to my shit. (laughs) Who's ready to snooze, baby? Let's go. Take a nap. 
take a nap on my art. The the real genius is that you're making music to help people go to sleep to fund a project that's going to help people stay up at night because right. they're so scared. <laughs> Full circle. At the end of the movie, you could be like, do you have trouble sleeping now? Go listen to the snoozers. And then you get to fund something else. There you I go. Like it. Full circle. Full so c- hopefully people can uh, get on board. Check it out tonight. Deep that's sleep. Amazing. Deep sleep. That's amazing. REM cycles guaranteed. <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jiggy. We're going to get into the self-help portion of the podcast, but before we do, is there anything else that you wanted to plug, talk about? There's there's another plug section at the end, but if you've got anything on the top of your mind that you want to plug, feel free. No, number one thing, the snoozers on Spotify. That's what 100% of my efforts are going into this. the snoozers. I want to be the bad boys of sleep. <laughs> come at me bro there's never been a there's never been a face to a sleep album until the snoozers took over the game they say if you snooze you lose but we've never lost baby (laughs) when you snooze we win (laughs) yeah check out the snoozers on spotify that's my only plug i'll do it again at the end that's awesome okay very cool that's genius all right We're going to let that uh, ruminate while we get into an inspirational quote to help us answer these questions. Now, before we get into the inspirational quote, I usually like to ask my guests if they have any inspirational quotes that mean something to them that help them get through their dark days, especially in quarantine or anything like that. Uh, The most meaningful inspirational quote I have is actually my signature line, too, in my emails. Uh, Something my dad said is only do the extraordinary and absolutely impossible. And I think about that a lot. Damn, that's badass. I like that. Jiggy, you are just a fountain of inspiration <laughs> and and good things. I, yeah. I'm so glad I got to talk with you. This is and it's not even over yet. I'm enjoying it while it's while it's here. But that's an awesome quote. And your dad said that. Yeah, that's my dad's quote. So I, I think about that uh, quite a bit, especially when I'm like, man, should I dive into this the world of ambient sleep sounds? yes the answer is yes absolutely uh but yeah I, I always think about that because uh you know it just makes you want to uh to do more there's always something that uh that can be done and there's a there's a too many people who tell you you can't do something so um i think anything can be done you just got to put the time in that's great and i think you're a living example of that too through everything that i've seen you do from your podcast to your comedy to your sleep albums to your movies that's just amazing. So that's a great quote. We're gonna we got a real high with that one. We're gonna hit a real low with this one. This quote, I like to get quotes not from people, but from robots. And this one is from a specific robot meant to inspire called Inspire Robot. Mm. And so what it does is it uses AI to take some of the wisest words known to man and just slap them together for a really inspirational quote. Or so it seems. So we're going to try and figure out what it means, this one. This week, InspireBot says, don't think of it as a prison. Think of it as a lesson. And that's all. So Hmm. I, I, I started when I first heard it, I was thinking it might be, I was thinking of quarantine. So I thought, okay, right now I'm stuck in my house. I, I feels like a prison because I can't go out. I can't do anything, but you know, if you think about it, it could be a lesson for, like you just said a, a while ago, taking the opportunity to be able to do things, get creative, 
put a spin on some if you don't like the zoom shows you put a spin on it make your own show or you know learn to do arts and crafts build a patio that's better than the patios that are out there in new york <laughs> definitely make a sleep album like do something with your life so don't think of it as a prison think of it as a think tank and um you will thrive so i started to think of it like that i think that's uh i think that's pretty spot on i was thinking about the literal interpretation <laughs> if you are a murderer you know, don't think of this as a prison learn a fucking lesson from it don't kill anymore stop doing it i like that too and- you hear that bob <laughs> no more murdering, please. No more You're murdering. in 25 to life. Think of this as a very long lesson. Very it's long like lesson. a 25-year timeout. Think beyond so. the bars. <laughs> what can you actually learn from this bricked place? I don't even know if that's a real word. <laughs> it, it sounds very Oscar Wilde. It does. I it sounds it. like it's some old English. Look beyond this bricked place. <laughs> beyond the bricked walls lay the babbling brook. And... Uh, <laughs> Lessons learned from my bricked days. <laughs> the bricked wickeds. That could be a prison band if there was ever one. Uh, but... It sounds like a fifties band. Something from like the Jersey Boys would sing. <laughs> like the Yellow Jackets or something. <laughs> We're here to teach you a lesson, Shay. Oh, that went too far back. That was like forties. That's probably maybe forties. Yeah. The continental. Right. The inter. What was it? The continental accent. You know that. Yes. Too? Transcontinental, transcontinental or accent. Like that? Kids used to learn that transcontinental accent uh, to speak like that. Like high high society used to speak in that wow wow like whiny. It's like kind of like a whiny twangy, yeah, British thing. Very excited about things usually, right? Like, hey, Margaret, where's my pot roast? Say, eh? well, <laughs> I, I keep putting the C in there, but the it's C not, I think is I think that's more that's specific, more like mobster mobsterish. Yeah, but but same idea. It's it's because my grandparents came here from Italy, so they started the mob life, and then the accent <laughs> just rose through. I speak English and transcontinental mobster, so it's the mix. But you're right. I mean, it, it, what makes me interested about that too is that was only sixty years ago. So if you go sixty years behind that, I think I watched. My wife is Brazilian, so on July Fourth, we decided to watch a a patriotic movie to teach her about history so we watched mel gibson's the patriot mm. and the way they were speaking i was thinking should they be speaking in a british accent should they oh, that's a fair speak point. in a more so I, I didn't know i was confused and i was just wondering how they would speak because yeah. it's actually pretty funny if you picture them speaking in modern day boston accents that's like the way i'd i'd like to imagine them speaking i think there's someone coming down the Paul, Paul, what are you going to get on your horse? What are you doing? Get out of Duncan. Get this tea out of the fucking harbor. What are you like, doing? Oh, look at this fucking guy. <laughs> Send Tom Brady down there. He'll fix him. Uh, Tom Brady the first. Tom Brady it. the first. Yeah, I like to think of them as just having straight up Boston accents that started back then. It does make that whole time period sound very fun. I like that. I'm going to stick that in my mind, too. I love it. <laughs> All right, this is great. I feel like we're now good and inspired for our questions that are up and coming. So we nailed that quote. We've got our first question. It's from Reddit, and it's found by our fan, Sam. Thank you, Sam. This one says, I'm starting off selling foot picks and not sure how to go about pricing. 
I just started to be committed to self-foot pictures. Since I always just made jokes about doing this, I never thought about how much to reasonably price them. I saw some go for five apiece, but I know there are other people that sell them for maybe 50 or heck, 200. What's Help? a foot pick? <laughs> I think it's just a picture of your foot. Oh, I thought it was like a something you jam in your foot. Um, <laughs> or like a... Like a... I bumped the mic. I completely have to, you have to reread that now knowing it's like, it's someone taking a picture of, I was thinking it was a device. Like he was trying to start a business. Oh, see, that's where your, your tasteful entrepreneurial mind <laughs> goes. Okay, so, well, reread I, or give me the, give me the highlights again. So he wants to right, take pictures right. of his feet and sell them online. This is like a fetish thing. Yes, I right. believe that totally so. changes the way so. here. I thought this was more like a shark tank type type of situation. Well, you know what? We can do both. We can we can go both uh, salacious and innocent. Foot and, picks. and Um. All right. So the guy, give me the highlights again. So the guy wants to sell foot picks. He's thinking about fifty bucks or two hundred bucks. Where's he yeah? Selling? Yeah, he doesn't know his, his price market? range. He what? doesn't know his. Yeah, good question. I think find out your market. See who's interested. Maybe send out a survey for people that don't care about being anonymous and be like, can you answer a couple questions for me? I'll send you one free foot pick mm-hmm. and then um, you can get your market research and find out a, a reasonable price that I, people would be. I have a lot pay. of questions about this. Um, <laughs> first of all, does he have a nice foot? Let's get down to the business here. Does he have a nice foot or not? He doesn't give any uh-huh. detail on that. If he says I have this bomb ass foot and I'm trying to get my foot out to the world, um, that's my first question. How, what's his foot look like? Give me a one to 10 before I can give you an answer of what the pricing should be. Do you have a bomb foot? Maybe 200 bucks is great. If you got a bomb ass foot. Um, the next that's question true. is, uh, what's the production value of these picks? Are you sending bare picks, naked feet? Are you dressing them up? Are you putting them costumes on it? You could probably fit like Barbie sized dresses on your feet and have a lot of fun <laughs> with that. You know, you dressing it up. Is it fun, fun and games, costume feet? What's the production that- value? Uh, that's an excellent question. You could do some role play. You can put a pilot's shoe in there, a firefighter shoe, mm-hmm. maybe a boot, an, an, an explorer, um, Revolutionary War, Bostonian. I think you could do a lot of things, and then that could up your value. That for could the totally up types. the value. So I need to know. I need to know what where he stands. I mean, if you're just sending, you know, just a bare pick of an average foot, um, <clears throat> depends on his age too. You got a bomb ass foot, and you're like, you know what's your age bracket you got a bomb ass foot in like your 40s maybe that could be a higher value because they're more rare it's just like diamonds it's like wine it's fine it gets better with age age, but they're (laughs) harder to find so i think before we can actually give him any proper advice i mean i have so many more questions i'd like i could have probably an hour podcast on what he's trying to do i'd say base rate for like a solid foot pick run of the mill no production value i think $20 $20 or less, $20 or less, I, unless you have an extraordinary foot. And what would characterize an extraordinary foot? I'm not um, into the foot game. So I, I think maybe no wrinkles, no hairs. I maybe. think hairs have to be well, well kept, well combed. Um, oh, it has to have a degree. Little, little of, braids in some of the toe hairs. Braids. You got to have a certain degree of suppleness. Um, <laughs> no discoloration on the toenails. The normal stuff you look at and uh, when you're rating feet. Mm, that's true so that's these are true. all just very common thing have these feet been taken care of or what type of savagery mm. has gone on with these feet 
are you willing to do a personalized message painted on the toenails? Like, See, hello, that's, Bob. Like, that's, yeah, that could be, that could totally up the price. Customization always ups the price. <laughs> then you could do something like a Patreon where you can have a you great can have or cameo. You could have a cameo page where the foot talks, you know, birthday <laughs> happy birthday, happy birthday. Or the foot talks to you. It's like personified. Oh my! And then you start like a foot pa- uh, cameo page where the foot dresses up in different outfits and wishes happy birthday to your friends and family. We're talking a multi-million dollar business here. Oh shit! Genius! Wow! I, mean, I feel like business we... ideas got some. I think we got some. <laughs> Jiggy, I like how your mind works. I feel like we probably answered the qu- the shit out of this question. Yes, we milked it. We milked it as far as we could go. That's awesome. All right, we're going to go to the next question. This is also from Reddit. It's from our fan, Will, that found this one. It says, closing on my first home, should I wear a tux? Closing on my first home, it's next week. People are telling me I should wear a tux because the agents will also wear formal attire. But I don't have a tux, and I'm not sure if I can rent one in time for next Thursday. Is it okay if I wear a suit instead? And this is from Property Tuxes. So, So, I mean, this clearly... Clearly going extra formal for a closing uh, is just too much fun for me not to support because I would, I I think that this is the funniest thing I would ever see. If you showed up in a closing, (laughs) I think that would actually be um, stepbrothers esque if you show up in a closing in tuxedo, because people don't go to, I mean, I think that is a joke, right? People don't go to closings in tuxedos. Uh, it you, depends on the region in, no, in the no, Southwest, like no Arizona. Way. No, they don't. No, they do not. No, they don't. No one's, I don't think anyone's ever worn a tuxedo to a closing. But go ahead. You're telling me in Arizona it's 500 million degrees and someone's putting on their tails to go to a friggin' closing on a on a mobile home? Well, well, I know that tux is ridiculous, but we do a, an Arizona tux where it's actually shorts instead of pants. So it's... <laughs> okay. <laughs> we adapt to the weather. But... We, we, my wife and I actually just closed on a house and we didn't, I, I think we just wore formal. No, no, not even formal. We just wore clothes and you know the what person I, gave us the key. You know what I'll tell you is actually the number one thing that's worn in closings in this mind that I can tell you, I can almost visualize every closing in America that's happening right now. In 2020, I'd say 63% of people of gentlemen wear polo shirts to closings. I'm talking a golf shirt. It's got a, you know, short sleeve polo. It's got to be in the 60, 63 to 68 percentile of men, inclu- including not the lawyers. The lawyers will wear a, at least a jacket, but the other parties involved, it's a polo shirt game. It's the perfect mm. attire for a closing. It's semi-casual, but very functional. If my wife let me wear polos, I probably would have too. But A lot of girls completely... are anti-polo. A lot of girls are anti-polo. I don't understand it. I feel like it's so easy to just put on and it's the collar just says, hey, I purposefully did this for you. Like I I came here with purpose and I'm putting in an effort. Why are girls anti-polo? My wife says I look like an old man. Mm. She says grandpas wear polos. Mm. See, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I, I, uh, you know, I I was a golfer. You know, I played golf in high school. And so I've worn a polo time or two. Yeah, I like yeah. a nice polo. If, if my 
if my wife is listening. I definitely agree with that, but I don't agree with that. I used to love <laughs> polos. And uh, now I don't wear them. Now I wear t-shirts that have puns on them. Who's your data? Mm. And uh, now I wear button-ups. But it's it's weird. I never used to wear short-sleeve button-ups until I moved to Arizona. And Short-sleeve button-up is like, that's uh, that's like an IT guy. It, 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 yeah, it doesn't, no lawyer would wear a short sleeve no, button you can't, up, right? A short sleeve button up, I actually have like, I don't think I've ever worn a short sleeve button up. Right, right. I can't and even, even think when of I, like a situation to wear it. Because then are you throwing like a t-shirt underneath and you like open it up like, you know, like you open up all the buttons and you have a t-shirt underneath type of situation or you just button it all up but and it's just letting it fly. It just happens to have no sleeves on it. I just I button it all the way up. I put on a little bow tie. It's very hipster looking. But you wear a I bow think tie it with adds... it? <laughs> no, I don't. I oh don't. god. I was gonna say <laughs> like, he has problems I gotta go. with I know with the <laughs> she has problems with the polo, but you're walking around with like a wooden bow tie <laughs> and a unicycle in Arizona. <laughs> That's how I went to close my home. So no, we we um I do it just with one button down okay. or the first and maybe second button unbuttoned. It is weird to get used to, but mm. after living in Arizona, I feel like I see so many people doing it, but I feel like everybody's sense of style here is a little shittier to put it softly yeah. than New York. I don't think I, anyone's looking as uh, at like Flagstaff as the uh, fashion capital of North America. Yeah, yeah, correct correct they are yeah they can barely breathe because the oxygen levels are so low <laughs> but yeah anyway so a tux might be too over the top i actually what disagree would... i actually think a tux is great if i was if this person is dead serious in the question which i doubt that they are but if even if they have a little bit even if, i think if they're trying to be funny it is funny and i think that this is a brilliant move and even if you had to go rent a tux and it cost you 50 bucks for the day i would 100 percent support this endeavor uh, to wear a tuxedo to the closing. I think it's very memorable. Um, it's endearing and it's fucking hilarious. I think that so uh, whoever this person did will 100% do it. If he and was I, joking, I, if he thought that I was going to be like, think that's, this is funny. This is true. This is as funny as it gets. <laughs> and if you think about it, I'm going to be a little serious here. How much are you spending on your house versus how much are you spending on all the other occasions where you're wearing a tux, right? Prom, what are you spending there if you're doing dinner, if you're paying for your, Luckily, your girlfriend? Maybe 100 bucks, 200 bucks. Yeah, you're not maybe. spending $400,000. Right. I feel like you should wear more than a tux. Well, wear and two also, tuxes. And then go to, like a great, uh, go to a great steakhouse or something after in your tux. I love oh, this yeah. idea. I think it's great. I think, I think people should more, do this more. Yeah, there should be a party. Oh, I guess there's housewarming, but there should be like I got the keys to my fucking house, and everyone party. has to wear tuxedos. There you go. Yep. I Even like the it. girls. Everybody. Even the girl, everyone has to do it. I like it. So, Will, get a tuxedo. <laughs> take a picture. Send it in. I think it's a great idea. I really love it. I think it's funny. That's splendid. I love it. All right. Awesome. We have reached the end of our podcast. Jiggy, thank you so much for joining. It was an, a real pleasure to have you. I wanted to ask you, where can people find you? What have you got going on? I know you plugged the sleep easies. I'm going <laughs> to... I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> the sleepers. The, the sleepers. snoozers. The snoozers. God Man, damn. I go ahead and I spend tireless nights coming up with the most catchy name for it. 
And it sounded like medicine. I don't even know what you said. The sleepies. <laughs> the sleepies. That, that sounds like an adult telling a child what this medicine is going to do. The sleepies. To knock them out. Yeah. Um, it's just a sleep easy, dear. I make uh, I make all my socials pretty easy, so everything across the board is at Jiggy Comedy, just like getting jiggy with it, J I G G Y Comedy. So uh, Instagram, I'm I'm probably Instagram and Twitter, I'm I'm the most active. Um, But you know, if you really want to support either me or you like what you hear, definitely pick up a new sleep routine and listen to the snoozers to go to bed on repeat. (laughs) You're you would be helping me more than you know, and I hope that I can help you go to sleep. I I'm I, I have a tireless perfectionist when it comes to um these sleep albums and i'm I'm really making them uh so that you can go to sleep and sleep well so go to the snoozers on spotify listen to it on repeat tell a friend um and i hope it's just like a cool weird little thing that you can be a part of with us as we make this movie project because i think that it's going to be very notable we're going to make the movie off of people going to sleep and that's going to be our hook for the movie too brilliant absolutely brilliant i hope that i hope you are getting in touch with press to talk about this because i think it's absolutely genius where's mark cuban can we get him on the <laughs> let's phone? go come on support the <laughs> support the sleep album uh we'll, awesome. we'll be getting the word out there this is actually the first we talked about it. the album just dropped this this past weekend so uh it's brand new everything is brand new and we're going to be putting out at least an album or two uh every couple weeks until we flush out every friggin sleep idea so you can come we could be the the catch-all for all your sleep needs if you're into friggin whale sounds to thunderstorms waves uh rain cityscapes you name it we're doing go- a twilight golf one i'm working on right now you talk about engineering like little golf swings and uh crickets and like uh walking on wet grass i mean i'm trying that's everything a, that's uh, can people make suggestions first i'd love sounds? to hear suggestions yeah i i kind of have been reaching out just to close friends to see like what people sleep to it as our core base of albums but yeah i mean if someone wants to send me a um a direct message on instagram or twitter i'm open to all suggestions um, for what calms you down to go to sleep because that's what we want to aim for we want to have stuff that's really relaxing and then you can go to bed knowing that uh, you're also helping uh, independent film too that's awesome that's so cool i've heard anecdotally that people sometimes if they're raised or they they grow up in the city that they're used to those sounds too so maybe do you have rural and urban sleep sounds as it's, well uh, it's really interesting people are getting shot and and people in New York City, like myself included, I can't sleep if it's too quiet. So uh, huh. we we do want to do like a like an urban night album uh, of some sort of you know you hear like taxis honking yeah. lightly in the background and light traffic. Um, to some, including myself, that's like very soothing and helps me go to sleep. If I was like in the middle of the country or the middle of Montana, I would want to <laughs> listen to that because I would I need to hear my trucks. I gotta hear my trucks. Right. Um, where's my Where's my honking taxis? Um, <laughs> but there are some people like that. I don't think it's it's not going to be in our top five albums because a lot of people would be annoyed by hearing like cityscape sounds. Um, sure, sure. But there are people like myself who's who either grew up or have a nostalgia for that to go into sleep to that like city, um, that city noise. That's amazing. Do you think that there would ever be? A necessity to do a live or the need the the desire for a live concert where everyone could just byos be your bring your own sleeping bag and then you just go down and you relax fall asleep so we've actually um uh 
uh, my partner and I in this project have already, because on, on Spotify, there's like a distinct section where you can promote tour events. So, you know, a fantasy would be if, you know, we get like a bunch of people listening to this to go do uh, live shows and screenings of the movie where we could like play our uh, sleep sounds and then screen the film. So there's a lot of things that we can try to do, but I actually think that's a really funny idea to, to have live ambient sleep concerts. Be like, that concert awesome. sucks. I fell right asleep. Exactly. <laughs> Five stars. Five stars. Okay. Concerts eight hours long. <laughs> like an overnight show um, but yeah That's so awesome. i hope people can listen to uh the snoozers on spotify awesome the snoozers and all of that that jiggy mentioned it's going to be in the show notes so you can just click and follow him or click and support the podcast or the podcast the the snoozers well that's the podcast everybody thank you very much and we will talk at you next week oh uh, james you know? murray's what? actually hitting me up you want to say hi hold on holy shit really He's probably going to give me shit because he wanted me to go to dinner tonight. Hello. I'm doing a podcast. <laughs> I'm doing a podcast, but you can put me on a podcast. Hi, everybody. Hello. Uh, you guys have fun. I'll talk to you soon, man. Love you. See ya.